and gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of the Push Start Podcast. We missed last week, but that was only because the acquisition was happening. I have talked extensively about that. So if you're interested in hearing my thoughts on the acquisition, it's hard to believe that was just one week ago. It was a, it was a whole it was already one week ago. I don't know if that feels long or short. It, it, it's different every time I think about it. <laughs> but yes, last week entirely focused on that acquisition. I've done extensive. I did two live streams that day actually, one by myself and another one with Joey Caps Gaming. So if you're interested in hearing my thoughts on that and this is one of the first times you're checking out the podcast, then I highly recommend you check out the one with Joey Caps. That was a lot of fun to do. Both of us had a really great time, and it's always more fun with a friend. So, there you go. Now, we have a pretty great si- uh, lineup for today, one that I'm really excited to talk about because it's going to focus heavily on one of my favorite games of all time, Oblivion. We just got a brand new developer diary, which is the first part in a series that we're going to get based around Sky Bolivian, and... Whoo, <laughs> Not only was it just absolutely beautiful, it was shocking to get that inside look that they provided to the development of Sky Oblivion, but we're going to get into all of that later on in a couple of the highlights, the more exciting bits that you could take away from, I think it was like a 15 or 16 minute video or so. We're going to talk about some of the things I found most interesting and really exciting about that, and I can't wait. I absolutely love Sky Oblivion, so I hope you'll be around for that. As always, uh, well, as always, as recently, I will put timestamps in the description so that you can skip around to the content you're most interested in. Uh, We're also going to be talking about a pretty big oopsie by EA, as well as some new Series X information that's coming in since people are getting their hands on the console, and two things that I really wanted to do in this and possibly going forward, one of which are games that will be coming this month, however I'm going to do it a bit prematurely for the month of October since that's pretty exciting. And sort of, I think, the first podcast of every month, I will probably start off by doing that and maybe midway through do an update to see what's coming in the latter half of the month, that sort of thing, just so people know what's going on. And and I would love to be able to target some more of the exciting indie game releases and try to promote those a little bit. So those of you who listen to the podcast, maybe you can hear about an indie game, say, oh, that sounds interesting, and if it seems like a popular segment, let me get, let you guys let me know if that's something you'd be interested in. I could spend specifically more time actually detailing the indie games. It's all a work in progress, and I'm always open to ideas, so please feel free to reach out to me how you like certain subjects, you want me to do different things with them, and this is one that I'm asking for feedback on, so there you go. The bigger AAA titles, I'll leave, you know, that's, I'll, you guys can probably know what they are already, but uh, for the smaller games that I would love to be able to promote on the channel, let me know how you feel if you want me to go into detail about those. So, couple other things. Be sure to check out my social media page, Twitter, if you aren't already, twitter.com backslash DemarcoDude. That will be linked in the description below. Uh, that's a great way to keep in touch with things I'm looking at that I don't really make videos about or sort of just what's going on behind the scenes. And of course, you can always stay up to date if you're not If you don't want the notification bell, which I understand if you're one of those people, you don't have notifications turned on for YouTube, then you could always see when I upload over on Twitter. I also announce live streams over there, so great place to keep up to date with what's going on. And last but not least, one thing that I'm really excited to get to talk about, we are so unbelievably close to reaching 1,000 subscribers. 
Holy mackerel, just so all of you dudes know, and dudettes, everybody know, that was my, I always set personal goals for myself. 1,000 subscribers was a goal I had set for myself to hit by the end of 2020, and we're on set to reach that before the end of October. <laughs> so thank you guys. Thank you. This is a massive accomplishment. It's a big, it's a pretty big milestone, and we did it all together. It was all of us. It's not a one-man team. It's it's everybody working hard to reach this goal, and you guys watching and sharing and, and thumbs up, even thumbs down to let me know when you don't like something I do. That's perfectly fine too, but the comments, the suggestions, all of it, we're all in this together, and so a massive thank you to all of you. I am planning to do probably just a small Q&A for that, and I hope that you guys will join me when we reach that milestone. Uh, maybe if you know, so throw some ideas my way if you want to see me do something else. So that's really exciting, and I'm, 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 I can't wait to, to finally reach that milestone. Uh, and then the last thing that I wanted to address before we fully got into this podcast is that some of you might be expecting me to discuss leaks if you stumble across this, or I know I have a different audience that listens on Spotify. So if you're one of my Spotify listeners, hello, or Apple Podcasts, or I think Google Podcasts, wherever it shows up. Um, so if you're one of my podcast listeners, you know, from the audio apps, then hi, <laughs> thank you. And uh, so... I won't be discussing the recent leaks for Starfield. I did make a video about that on my YouTube channel, and you can check that out if you're interested. It's simply titled, Why I Won't Talk About the Starfield Leaks. But long story short, I don't think it's the way the game is meant to be seen. I think that there's something special about Starfield in that it is a brand new IP. It's the first one that's coming in 10 years. Or I'm sorry, it's 10 years of ideas from Bethesda, but it's the first new IP in 25 years. And that to me... Is a little bit special. If it were something like Elder Scrolls 6, we know about Elder Scrolls, we know the universe, the characters, all of these details. However, this is something brand new. So maybe my thoughts will change in a month, maybe they'll change in a year. It's entirely possible, I'm not ruling it out. Uh, however, that's just how I feel at the moment. Now, I did want to give uh, credit to one commenter on that video who did mention that, well, you probably should showcase the leaks, but just reinforce the idea that this isn't what Bethesda wants you to see, this isn't a fi final build, and don't judge it harshly, because it probably is an alpha, or possibly even a pre-alpha screenshot, we don't know. Uh, and I, I, I just wanted to make sure I pointed that out, because I did respond to that comment, I said, you know, you made a great point, but I want you to make sure that I'm not just kind of saying and trying to blindside you, I really do think that was a really good point. So, maybe that's how I'll handle future possible leaks, I will talk about them, but just make sure that I have you guys know this isn't this is not how it's meant to be so uh, you know there you go but for the time being I'm not going to go into any more detail about that in this show or in the future anyway let's get started the first thing that I wanted to talk about were games that are coming this month games coming in October of 2020 and I kind of wanted to start this now I know I'm doing it in or late end of September however there's so many titles that are coming out in October. Some really exciting ones too. We have Star Wars Squadrons. For those of you who don't know, I'm slightly excited for that, mostly because of the VR element. I'm really curious about that. We also have Crash Bandicoot 4 for all of my Crash fans out there. Crash Bandicoot 4, it's about time. Uh, that will be October 2nd for both of those games. There is Forgone, October 5th. Dirt 5, October 9th. FIFA 21, also October 9th. 
Then Watch Dogs Legion, October 29th, coming out at the end, and I'm very curious about Watch Dogs Legion. I think that's sort of what I'm a bit nervous about. One of the games I'm most nervous about, excuse me, simply because the fact that you can control every single NPC in the game, how do they focus on one character? How do they tell a deep character story? I mean, I guess the city is the character, that's what they're trying to go with, but that's not going to resonate as well. So, I, I'm really interested, how do they make it diverse? If I genuinely go recruit, you know, what about dialogue and voice lines? How do they have each character that's not repeating voice lines? They're going to have to eventually. Or And the biggest thing I think will differentiate people will simply be the fact that they have different skills. You know, this person has one hodgepodge of skills, this person has another hodgepodge of skills, and it's just a random algorithmic combination of different uh, traits and maybe unique items that they might have. But at that point, is it even unique? I don't know. So I'm very curious to see how Watch Dogs Legion actually works in action, beyond the promotional stuff. And then finally, also coming on October 29th, lots of uh, overlaps this month. We have Call of Duty Black Ops Cold War. Now, I myself, I'm sort of out of the Call of Duty game. It doesn't really excite me anymore. I'm a big fan of zombies. I enjoy, that's one of my more go-to pastimes. If I'm just looking to sit back, kick, kick it kick it up and relax, I do enjoy the, the zombies mode personally. But Call of Duty in and of itself, not, I, I've sort of lost interest in running around Rambo style. I know they did fix that a bit with some bigger maps and the Warzone mode especially, but that's Battle Royale and Battle Royale I've sort of got exhausted of either. I don't know if any of you guys feel the same. Do you do you feel the same? Are you tired of, of sort of the, the Call of Duties and, and the Battle Royales? Let me know. I'm curious. I, I, I certainly am. It's, it's worn out its welcome a bit for me. So those are the more exciting releases. Those are the AAA releases. Again, in the future, I might consider adding on indie games and maybe discuss some indie games. And probably instead of just going through all of them, just pick a certain few that I think are really stand out. So let me know your feedback on those ideas. Now, this is going to be a rather short segment here. However, the Xbox Series X, people have their hands on it, these big studios. I I was laughing at the fact that these big, big media outlets, IGN, GameSpot, they were sending out tweets and putting on social media about, uh, they, they were making jokes about how hard it's going to be to get your hands on a console, and in the back of my head, I was always thinking, you guys have nothing to worry about, Microsoft is sending it to you, <laughs> you're going to be guaranteed to get your hands on an Xbox Series X, what the heck are you talking about? And yet the memes came, you know, joking about how everyone's staying up until 12 a.m., joking about how everybody is doing anything they can to to get their hands on it. And (laughs) yet here they are. Now they're reviewing it early before anybody else. They all have their hands on it and they're doing previews of it. But this is sort of one of the more recent tidbits that has come out regarding the Xbox Series X specifically. This will follow suit with the PlayStation 5, but it does have to deal with the SSDs, of course. The SSDs are responsible for having significantly faster load times beyond anything that we've witnessed before, and there's some comparisons that have come out recently that are pretty standout. So, Shinobi on Twitter, that's where I'm seeing this from. Although it did originate from a GameSpot article, if you're interested, I will try to remember to leave the sources I use in the description below. That's also something that's on my priority list because I don't even do that in my normal videos. It's pretty bad on my part, so that's going forward. However, I will try to remember to leave this in the description. 
Uh, Red Dead Redemption 2, the Xbox One X, which is of course the more powerful of the Xbox consoles, has an average load time of about 2 minutes and 8 seconds. Guess what it could be on the Xbox Series X. What do you think it is? I'll give you 3 seconds to put in. You're going to do this like door... Excuse me. We're going to do this like Door of the Explorer. What do you think the load time is, kids? I can't hear you. <laughs> 2 minutes and 8 seconds on the Xbox One X. 38 seconds on the Xbox Series X. 38 seconds. Oh, man. God damn, that is an impressive boost. Control, another good game. 58 seconds on the Xbox One X versus... Well, round that up. We'll go 60 seconds on the Xbox One X. 10 seconds on the Xbox Series X. Final Fantasy 15, 1 minute and 11 seconds on the Xbox One X. 13 seconds on the Xbox Series X. And finally, The Outer Worlds, which is a game that is kind of renowned for its pretty abysmal low times on consoles. 43 seconds on Xbox One X, although I've seen it go a lot longer, as in a couple minutes worth. 11 seconds on the Xbox Series X. 11 seconds. We're going to be spoiled by the next generation, boys and girls. We are going to be completely spoiled by these run times. And this is exactly why when we look at, for example, the proprietary SSD drives, this is why it costs $200 to expand your storage. So you get 800, 890 gigabytes, I want to say, after the operating system and all those files uh, from the Xbox One X. Uh, I'm sorry, the Xbox... God damn it, Microsoft, with these names. The Xbox Series X has one terabyte of storage and it will be when you finally get your hands on it 890 gigabytes i believe after the operating system that's about eight games so you're going to probably end up investing in the external hard drives which are another or the external ssds and those are going to run you another 200 dollars for another terabyte of storage so it's not cheap it's the real price of the console in my opinion but and these load times, that's why it's so high. And it's these are only for backwards compatible games. That's not even taking into account what next gen will be able to do with the actual games as a result of the SSD. So very impressive stuff there. Very impressive. Tell me, what do you what 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 consoles are you leaning towards? Now, especially with the Bethesda Microsoft deal behind the scenes, and we don't know truly, we don't have a good grasp on what's going to happen with the exclusives. What console are you leaning towards? Are you leaning towards the Series X or are you leaning towards the PlayStation 5 or PC? Which I think is a good decision for a lot of people. But if, you know, I love my consoles to death, I really do. For me personally, after this Bethesda deal, uh, it, it, it really does put a wrench in my plans. But I think for the sake of, you know, I want to play games like God of War. I really want to play, you know, for example, a possible another Uncharted or uh, Ratchet and Clank you know Sony still does have a lot of exclusives and as long as Microsoft is going to be guaranteeing their exclusive titles on PC as well uh, you know as an owner of both I would have to lean towards the PlayStation 5 personally but I'm interested to hear what you guys are leaning towards let me know and why so that's really it for the Xbox conversation again really quick little discussion that I wanted to throw in there 
But now we get onto one of the more exciting parts, probably the most exciting discussion for me personally, and that is Skyblivion. Skyblivion, a monster undertaking by a monster team of ridiculously hardworking people and incredibly talented people at that that are not only improving everything that Oblivion did really, really well and everything that we love it for, but they're taking it to a- well, I said improving, didn't I? They're taking it to a whole nother level. A whole other level in that they are completely redesigning several aspects of the game from the landscapes to the armor to the cities to the clothes. It's a big, big project and every single bit of footage that we've seen has been monumentally impressive. This recent developer diary that's no different. So, a couple of the highlights that I wanted to pull and talk about with all of you, because again, I am just monumentally excited for this project, and it's really the remaster that Oblivion deserves, and I think if anybody were to do a remaster, I'd, you see, it's hard to say. I think even Oblivion, or Bethesda themselves, would be at a bit of a disadvantage. Would they have time to completely redo all the cities the way the Sky Oblivion team is? Would they have time to completely overhaul all of the textures? Well, they would have to do the textures, I'm sorry, all of the armors is what I meant to say. All of the armors to the point where they're completely redesigning them, or the creatures as well. I don't know if they would, it would probably be more like a retexture, or retexture, improvements just to the game, and then you'd get the game as is, but it would look better, it would run better, it would load faster, those sorts of details, you know. You'd, graphically an improvement, but not necessarily gameplay-wise improvement. Or lore-wise. Gameplay-wise, they would have to improve, wouldn't they? I don't know, I'm getting lost in my own thoughts. Anyway, Sky Oblivion. What are they doing here? The first thing I want to, uh, to really congratulate is the narrator, and I had his name on the top of my head because I really wanted to make sure I brought it up. But of course, I forgot it as we started recording. However, the narrator, Ryan Cooper, really want to give my kudos to Ryan Cooper for just one stellar narration. He is a professional voice actor. I would love if this guy could come on and just do, for example, my Twitch alerts. You know, uh, that would be awesome because the guy did a fantastic job and he's incredibly fitting. And I can't wait to see what else he's doing with Sky Oblivion. I can't imagine that he's just doing narration for the dev diaries he's probably voice acting for other parts of the project too uh, i just don't know exactly what although i do know that it has been brought up before anyway great job on his part but they mentioned some really interesting details unique ecosystems so not only are and this is where i was saying would bethesda have the time to do this not only are they taking the environments that were previously in Oblivion, as they would have to, and putting them back in the game, but they are completely overhauling them to be entirely new. So if you remember in Oblivion, in Oblivion, the original game, Black Marsh, which, or Leowin County, which is on the border of Black Marsh, really just kind of seemed like a more dismal piece of Cyrodiil. It's, it's hard to explain unless you know exactly what I'm talking about, but more or less it looked exactly the same. Maybe it was a bit flatter, a bit less hilly, but it's supposed to be a swamp. It is supposed to be scary and dangerous and 
I, I get the feeling when I at least thought of it initially that people aren't supposed to really want to live there. Maybe the Argonians love it and they make it home, but it's it's a dark, dismal place. It's a swamp. And yet in Oblivion, we didn't see any of that. However, you can see some of the footage in the Sky Oblivion trailers and the Sky Oblivion uh, where they're doing the developer live streams and they actually showcase them sort of make taking control of their claims and, and doing the landscaping for the claims that they have it really does make a difference now that there's actual water there's lands that are sunken in that the water has taken over there's lands that are a bit higher there's some some trails they also mentioned how they're putting slaughterfish i remember listening to this that they're actually putting slaughterfish on in some of the water that's deep enough so if you do walk through the swampy the swampy gunk it's possible that there might be some slaughterfish nipping at your feet they have some better trees that just fit the environment a lot better they have more ambiance they have its own custom music for each region and that's another part that you have to touch on as well is not only are they living leaving the original tracks the original soundtracks in the game they're also completely overhauled it and this is the one aspect that i didn't exactly get a statistic on Oh, actually, I do. I have it right here. <laughs> Don't underestimate myself and how prepared I come. 26 minutes of original track time. They are expanding that nearly... This is a part... I knew I didn't write down all of it. They are expanding the actual runtime for the music to have each biome have its own music, to have each location, to have something that's much more appropriate for the environment you're exploring. So now the music will essentially grow from 26 to, I think it's somewhere over an hour of tracks that you can listen to to keep the environment feeling alive, to keep the landscapes feeling true to what they should be, to really, to really immerse yourself in the world of Cyrodiil in a way that you haven't before. And you can actually listen to a lot of the music if you tune into Kyle Rebels live streams. Uh, they, they, he plays it on the background. You could also hear it in most of their uh, videos that they put on the the uh, the, the YouTube channel, uh, which is just Rebels Eyes, R E B E L Z I Z E. I'll have a link to that in the description below if you want to check it out. They showcase that music all the time, and it's really, really well done. You almost wouldn't be able to tell the difference that it's not original to the game if you just listen to it and nobody said anything. You, it's, it is high enough quality where you might not be able to tell the difference. One of the things that really resonated with me to, to take a step back and go back to the environments is that they said they went back to the drawing board for all of them to get it right and they're doing it in such a way that's lore friendly. So they're making, and I believe this was paraphrasing a bit, but the swamps swampier and the mountains more mountainous. <laughs> And so when you actually look at them, the mountains will be much more impressive. Of course, that's something that Skyrim did very well. And just all around, I have personally watched the landscaping where they try to do whatever they can to make it more interesting, to actually encourage you to wander around in the environments versus the procedural generation that was used in the base game of Oblivion. You know, even the hills in Oblivion were just going to... Right? They're just kind of more slopes than actual mountains and more... It didn't fit. And so they're going completely back, doing it from scratch, making proper caves and archways and uh, different valleys and, and forests that they're more dense, the vegetation is fuller. 
all while taking advantage of the graphical benefits that they have from doing it in the modern creation engine. There are 219 quests in the original Oblivion, just to give you an idea of the scope of this project because it is incredibly impressive just how much is going into this project. There are 219 quests, all of which are being redone and implemented into the game. They'll still be the same quests, but they need to be implemented and, and function properly and, and work around some of the new mechanics that needs to be introduced to make it work with Oblivion. For example, the, the one that they show off in uh, the developer diary was, and most of you who have played Oblivion will remember this, a quest in Aleswell, where there's a small inn, and all of the people in at this inn have gone invisible. And it's your job to seek out this mage named Ankatar. I remember this quest so well, I do it every single time I play Oblivion. You have to go find Ankatar in a nearby ruin, and he is responsible, he can give you the scroll to reverse the invisibility on the town. Now, this requires some very specific details that Oblivion, or I'm sorry, Skyrim doesn't have, making people uh, a dis- uh, does, does a- Skyrim doesn't have any dispel magic. There is no dispel magic, so right off the gate, Sky Oblivion team has to make sure that there's some kind of dispel effect that can dispel invisibility. They have to make sure there's something that makes people perpetually invisible in order to make the quest work. So there's a lot of implementation that goes into it. But not only are they redoing and fixing up all the 219 quests, they're also doing entirely new ones. And these new ones, I believe, I don't know all of them for certain, but what I do know is that they're putting in easter eggs for some of the team members who work on the game and they might have maybe a quest to do, uh, but what I do know is that they will have their own dialogue in which they might tell you about the area. I think there's some liberties that they can take based on how they want to do it. I know one person talked about how he would kind of just want to be like a hermit that lives in, I think it was one of the guys who was working on Black Marsh actually said yeah he'll live in black marsh he's sort of an isolated npc that you can find in the game and he'll tell you about the area and and give you a bit of a behind the scenes look into some things you might not know about black marsh because these environments in and of themselves have a lot of lore behind them and that's something that can be explored further that the game doesn't do unless you read all the books or really study stuff resources outside of the game some other statistics for all of you, 2,663 interiors, and all of them, all of them are being remade more or less from the ground up. Now, Oblivion, one of the things they do mention is that they will make each of the houses reflect the economic situation of the person living in them. This is something Oblivion actually did have. You can go into a poor person's house and, and it would reflect that, but I don't think... It was nearly at, or I know for a fact, it wasn't nearly at the same level of detail that the Sky Oblivion devs are doing. So, more or less, all of these interiors also being done completely from scratch in order to enhance the experience, make it more immersive, more believable. And one of the big important things is, yeah, you should be able to, realistically, walk into somebody's house and go, you are probably pretty poor. Yeah, and now you can do that. Now you can do that properly. So they have different levels of everything from furniture to 
decorations to cups to forks to knives, uh, bowls, plates, everything you could possibly imagine, wall textures, everything you could imagine, rugs, beds, to make sure that it reflects, I just keep thinking of ideas, to make sure that it accurately reflects these environments or, or these economic conditions that the people are living in. So, again, just a very impressive statistic that showcases how much work is truly going into this project. 8,032 3D objects that all have to be remade. Again, that goes to the cups and the knives and the forks, all the way to entire armor sets, but eight thousand of them retextured redesigned it's hard to believe when you really put all of this into perspective on top of making the map and the map they actually did showcase the size of the map differences too the map in oblivion was significantly larger than the map in skyrim i don't have the exact sizes in front of me here However, they do mention at some point in the dev diary, I apologize for not having this information on hand. But not only is the map in Oblivion bigger, it also means that, to go back to landscapes, they are in fact doing all of that land. They're covering all of that ground to make sure that it accurately reflects this environment. Armors in particular, we're talking about remaking the objects. Armors in particular are completely redesigned. So I did mention this earlier when I was talking, would Bethesda be able to do it the same way? The armors are no longer the same as you might remember them. They went back to the drawing board. They had their own concept artists draft up ideas, make different designs for them, and then they have them implemented after they pass through a couple stages. And... Some of them look infinitely more impressive than what we get in the vanilla game. I mean, the vanilla game, it, well, let's be honest, it hasn't aged incredibly well. And that's sort of being nice about it. Uh, they look pretty lousy, all things considered. And so even something as simple as the iron armor, they've redone the helmet to make it more aesthetically pleasing, to have a more even protective and functional looking feel. Uh, some of them, for example, in the in the developer diary, they do showcase the iron armor, which is why I'm bringing it up. But it, it looks more flexible. It looks more comfortable. It looks more practical in design. And all in all, that's on top of the fact that it was completely retextured from the ground up to make it work. And that goes for most of the weapons as well. One of my favorites is actually the re the arena armor that they've done. And you can see that a couple times if you look at the gameplay that they've shown off. This also goes for these redesigns. It goes for the clothes and the weapons as well. It's not just limited to the armor. The clothes also follow suit in the pattern of, you know, economic situation that people might have. So they have different levels. They have the poor, the middle, and the upper class clothing. And you could pass by someone on the street and easily tell, okay, this is a good mark or this isn't if you're a thief. Good mark, bad mark, maybe mark. <laughs> um, you could do that in Oblivion. But again, the redesigned clothes that are coming out of this do look 
infinitely better, not just because the graphics have improved, but also because the textures are much sharper, because the designs, they appeal to me more, all things considered. I, I just think that they look better, they're, they're nicer looking outfits, but Oblivion is an ancient game at this point, so... I wonder how the Bethesda developers would do it now if they had the opportunity to. Other things that are completely redesigned, again, to bring it into perspective, we also have creatures. Uh, now, it's pretty funny. They do mention that, uh, for example, they have one moment in the trailer in which they showcase a Falmer. And the Falmer is just walking around, but they put over it they do say that this is just a in-progress for the goblin. But they do showcase the concept art that they have, for example, uh, for the the imps. And in the game, it's funny looking back at them in the game, how polygonal and rigid and how they basically just... It almost looks like if you took Play-Doh and tried to make a creature, like a flying winged bat creature out of Play-Doh. That's more or less what they look like. And then they showcase the concept art and sort of the design that they're going for with the newer versions. We do get some really good look at uh, the Minotaurs. We get a couple looks at some scamps, which you've seen before, the dangerous scamps, as well as a Daedroth, I believe it is. They almost look like uh, uh, the the big Deathclaws. They're a bit similar to Deathclaws, Daedroths. Name's similar too. I wonder if that's a coincidence or not. <laughs> uh, they, they do showcase the unicorn as well, and the unicorn looks absolutely beautiful. So all of the creatures, once again, being redesigned from the ground up to make them more fitting for what they probably should have from the get-go. Last but not least is the towns and the cities themselves. They're bringing new life into these cities and towns, and one of the ways that they're doing that is by expanding them. They're actually making the layouts different. They are actually expanding on some of the districts. So one of the, my favorites is that Bruma now has a proper poor district where it is run down. There's some trash in the streets. There's more sort of puddles and, and just debris, and, and it looks dirtier, and there's tents instead of actual houses. So across... Several of these cities, you will be able to see these changes reflected. I think one of the big ones, Breville, Breville, I believe, was really poor. I think. Let me look this up for a second to make sure. Or was it Anvil? It's either Breville or Anvil. It was, I do believe it was Breville. Breville was sort of swampy. Yeah, everything was made of wood. It was it was near it was in uh near County Laywind in that direction, I believe. I'm forgetting the map. <laughs> it's been a really long time. But Breville was generally a more rundown looking city. And they're redesigning that as well. So they'll actually have, for example, tarps hanging across the the uh, the street, going from building to building with people's clothes hanging and more puddles and just wooden planks going over these puddles where whenever it rains, water accumulates there. So they just decided instead of walking in the mud, we'll just put a wooden plank down that's also covered in mud at this point. So they're really going in hard to make the city. Some of them are getting redesigned in order to make these elements work. So the shapes themselves are not the same. Which also, just to keep it in perspective, guys, that means they also have to change the landscaping as well. They have to redo the landscaping in order to fit their new city design. So, 
One of the great things about the mod, and you could actually find this on the FAQ section, is you can turn off a lot of these changes. It is actually optional. If you want something that's true to the vanilla experience, you can turn off the changes that they made specifically to improve in Sky Oblivion. Now, it's worth notice noting that if that's something that you're thinking about doing, like, hey, uh, would you would you want to play the exact original game? Because it's what it's Bethesda made? If you're thinking that sounds like the right option, I will tell you that everything they're doing is completely lore-friendly and it makes sense within the world. But if you really want that pure experience, they do have an option that you'll be able to download to work the way the original game did. And that's also an incredible feat in and of itself to make two versions of the game where they have to make the original Anvil or the original Bruma, but then they also have to do it with their new vision in mind. And that goes for several of the environments in the game, not just the cities as well. While we're on the topic of bringing new things into the game, I guess we've sort of been on that for most of this conversation, but they also will have some custom content, Most, a lot of it focusing on, I did mention the quests earlier, some new quests, but they are restoring cut content from the original game. So not only are they going to be adding some stuff that is found in Tamriel's lore, but they also are adding some things such as they say on their FAQ section, the Lost City of Such, which was located between Anvil and Kvatch. Kvatch, I'm sorry. But it is now back. It, it was taken out of the original game, and now they're actually putting it into this remake of Oblivion. This, it is a remake. I wouldn't even call it a remaster. It really is a remake of the game. So things like that. And of course, once again, if you don't want Such in the game, I don't know why you wouldn't want Such. I want Such. You should want Such. But if you don't want such, you can turn it off. Last thing that's last that I, or two last things about this, and if you hear the paper, that's my notes that I took on the developer diary. All of the textures in the game, and I know we've hinted at this, but all the textures in the game are being completely made from scratch and will support up to 4K textures. That one of my favorite shots that they showcased in the developer diary was actually posters or they showed a picture of the black horse courier and all of the text on it completely illegible because the texture was so low quality or for example they showed the gray fox poster and you really couldn't read it unless you actually clicked on it to at least in oblivion if you're looking at it in the game you couldn't read anything that it said but with this remake with this remaster this remake you can now actually read it right off the wall the way it probably should have been because the textures are just such higher quality and not only that, but still, they do say that you might be thinking, well, if all of this is going to be so good, then... And if you look at the footage, it is really good looking. Then, will my system be able to run it? And the great news, again, this can be found in their FAQs, but the great news is that you will be able to have up to 4K resolution. However, if you can run Skyrim on medium settings, you should be able to run Skyblivian just fine. So there you go. It's going to be accessible. They're focusing on performance and making sure that it's performance friendly so that as many people will be able to get this as possible unless you're on consoles, unfortunately. There would be way too many issues on getting this on consoles. You do need SKSE, which you can't get. And also the size of this is going to be pretty large. I mean, it's an entire, an entire game. So there you go. I can't imagine what the download time is going to be for this. Ooh, 
little bit scary thinking about it. They're also the last thing that I have in regards to Sky Oblivion, and this did dominate the bulk of our conversation today, which was intentional. I really love talking about this game. The last thing that we have is the UI overhaul. They are trying to make something that's a bit of a hybrid between Skyrim's UI and touches on what Oblivion's UI was able to capture while improving it to make it more functional, easier to navigate, that sort of thing. And so the UI in and of itself is a big process to get right because there's so many iterations that you can go through and you might look at something and and you start fleshing out the idea. It sounds great in your head. And then you finally actually get it in the game and you go, ah, this isn't exactly what I was hoping for. You got to go right back to the drawing board, which they did say they have gone back to the drawing board a couple times for UI. But from what we saw in the developer diary it looked pretty good it worked to capture that sort of paper feel that we had in oblivion that you were more or less going through pages in a journal almost while modernizing it making it more functional again easier to navigate and i think that's about the best possible outcome out of it i would to be brutally honest the the ui in oblivion was not that great scrolling through the menus trying to find what you needed to could be pretty messy so From what I saw, it did look like a pretty great blend between Skyrim and Oblivion. Maybe it's it's even possible that it will change. In fact, it probably will change, unless that was the final version. I'm not 100% on that. But it is possible they'll continue tweaking it, or likely they'll continue tweaking it and shaping it up to make it even better, and of course, listen to feedback on what people say. So all in all, looks really good. Everything about it looks great. Kudos goes to all the people working on this. I wish that I had the talent to do some of the things that you guys need done. And they are looking for help. If you're interested, you can check the website, which again, I'll have linked in the description below to see, you know, maybe you have some talent or if you're thinking about game development, you need some level of experience with the creation kit, but you could try to learn it. Or if you're a 3D artist or anything like that, you could see what positions that they need available for volunteers and maybe you can help out on the project and they would definitely appreciate the help. They're always looking for more and the more people that work on it, the sooner we get it. (laughs) So there you go. A little bit of incentive for you. Anyway, there's a lot more that you could go into in regards to this, uh, this developer diary. Again, it was 16 minutes and I just gave my extended thoughts on it for a while. If you're interested, I highly recommend that you check out on Rebel's Eyes Rebel Rebel's Eyes YouTube channel R E B E L Z I Z E. You can see all of the great work and progress that they're making, and it is a really great progress. All right, on to the second to last subject I have for today. EA made a pretty big oopsie. And originally I wasn't going to talk about this, but I've I've really found it funny just the boldness and honest stupidity that whoever made this decision had. And nobody has talked about it so far that I've seen. Not even the channels like Young Yeah, who are always on top of things like this. I have not seen anybody talk about this. I might even make a separate video about it, but I don't know if I want to just be this pessimistic. So there you go. However... EA had a major oopsie as they are now under fire for promoting FIFA loot boxes in a children's toy catalog. Let's repeat that. They're under fire for promoting FIFA loot boxes in a children's toy catalog. 
VGC reports, this article is coming from gamesindustry.biz, VGC reports the publication in question is the latest in-store magazine from UK retailer Smith's Toys, which featured an advertisement for FIFA 21, centered around the Ultimate Team mode. The ad listed the four steps of playing Ultimate Team, with step two being use FIFA points to open packs. Now, it isn't in in and of itself saying, hey, buy FIFA points, but... You know who this is targeting, and don't for a second, EA is probably going to say, well, that is one of the things, you need FIFA points, so we're not lying about it, but you know what they're going for, this is coming after the surprise mechanics that they had, surprise mechanics, we think people enjoy surprise mechanics, and clearly people do, we'll get into that in a second, but... It's, it's FIFA points are the virtual currency you need in order to play Ultimate Team, which is the biggest mode in FIFA, so anything that EA tries to deny saying, well, you do need FIFA points to do it, why was this even in a toy catalog to begin with? What, 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 are, they, what are they advertising? I mean, I can... That doesn't make any sense to me. It's just that the, the, the stupidity is beyond belief. Especially when they're already in talks about, uh, you know, gambling laws. And, and governments are starting to intervene with gambling laws in video games. And they are already under scrutiny about it. But not only are they already under scrutiny, you also take into consideration that they are the ones that provoked the entire controversy with Star Wars Battlefront. That was the game that set all of this in motion where the US government, Belgium, the UK, Germany, all of these, some of them already have banned it. Some of them are discussing, I don't know what's going on with it in, for example, the United States. It was something that came up and sort of went, I guess. I don't, is it still in discussion? Government works slow, so maybe. But you're just fueling the fire with something like this. You're just, fu- it's as if you want loot boxes to be banned, and I know you don't. Because at the bottom of this article, it does say that EA's financial results this year, Chief Financial Officer Blake Jorgensen, love that guy, said revenues from FIFA Ultimate Team, already a major earner for the publisher, were quote, off the charts since lockdowns have begun. And if it's off the charts, it means it's improved, which is already in the millions of dollars from previous quarters. It's it's absolutely outrageous what these loot boxes make. I can't... <laughs> I can't believe how many people buy into this stuff. They really, really do. Oh, here you go. The publisher is currently facing a class action lawsuit in California that asserts, that asserts Ultimate Team violates the state's gambling laws. So in California specifically, for those for my United States friends, in California specifically, it violates their gambling laws, but not on a federal level, I guess is what it comes down to. And the UK is calling for evidence, both positive and negative, about the concerns of loot boxes. And you can pretty much bet that this is going to be considered in it so there you go another recent loot box blunder ea's hungry to get as much money as they can so they're just gonna keep shooting themselves in the foot until they ruin it good for us i would say though right although i you know what worries me is regards to loot boxes we all wanted for example in call of duty we didn't want paid dlc because it separates the fan base right and that the alternative became loot boxes So how are they going to make that money they'd normally make from a map pack? They're going to sell the loot boxes. And in fact, they make more money from the loot boxes. So it's better for them. It's infinitely better for them. So now 
that they have this, if we get rid of loot boxes, what's the new thing that's going to replace it? And I'm worried that it would be something worse. I don't know what that would be. I don't know what it could be. We already see actual advertisements in games. UFC was just under a lot of scrutiny because there were full ads that would pop up in the middle of fights that were advertising for products. And people were completely opposed to that, and I don't blame them. It's not a spot for advertisements. I don't know. Where where does it go? If loot boxes aren't a thing, where does it go? Let me know what you guys think down in the comment section. So last but not least, I also wanted to do something that I've said multiple times I wanted to do but haven't really done, which is comments from you guys and, and read those live. I respond to most comments. I do a pretty good job of that, I feel. And if I don't, you don't think I do, then hey, let me know. But I personally think I do an alright job. And we have several comments that I wanted to go through today. The cool CG10 says, Part of me wants as much leaks as possible regarding Starfield and to consume every bit of information as possible. But the other part is, I don't want to see anything until BGS is ready. Because now we know, possible spoiler ahead. Anyway, I appreciate, I'm going to skip the spoilers for those of you that might not know about the leaks or just try to avoid them. Anyway, I appreciate that you're not going to talk about them. I've already seen a lot of video on them, but honestly, there's not much there. Sure, we may know more than we would have, but at the end of the day, it just leads to more questions. Just more specific ones. I completely agree. Screenshots in particular have never done too much for me. I've always been a gameplay person. I've always gotten excited by gameplay, and specifically, when we get those beautiful 30-minute demos from Bethesda that they do, that we saw with Skyrim, for example. And that's why, in regards to these leaks, I don't really care. I, I, I don't. That's also part of it, too, is I don't really care. I don't want to see them in the first place. And while I understand there's two sides of that, some people will be incredibly excited. And if you look over at the Starfield subreddit, you'll see how excited people are. And that's perfectly fine. There's nothing wrong with that. I'm not saying don't be excited about it if you want to be. I'm just saying, for me personally, they didn't show that much... You know, CG, you said it perfectly. They showed a little bit more than what we know, but it still just leaves you with a bunch of questions because we haven't seen anything that was shown in action. So there you go. And in regards to wanting them as much as possible and versus part of you not wanting, I think that's natural. Then it goes for, you know, part of me wants Bethesda to just start releasing some trailers, some cinematic trailers even, but part of me wants to wait until they can actually show a full gameplay demo of it. So either side that you lay on, completely natural. I 100% agree with what you're saying here. And at the end of the day, I think waiting for the full reveal is going to be incredibly worth it. And whoever is still skeptical, skeptical about this game, I feel like there's going to really be two leagues of people. Or there will be three. There'll be those who don't want the game, or this isn't the type of thing that they were asking for. You know, for example, they just want Test 6. And they'll be angry no matter what happens. There's people who will look at it, realize it's not really for them, and they'll be upset. And they'll have to wait for the next Elder Scrolls or Fallout game that comes from Bethesda. And then there's those that will be blown away. For example, like myself. Because we don't know much about this. They are using a lot of new technology. We've heard about the engine rewrites. It's going to be a really impressive thing. Technologically wise even, it's going to be one of the first brand new Bethesda games on the next generation consoles. So, one of the first, it is going to be the first Bethesda Game Studios game on the next-gen console, and I think that in and of itself 
sets this above anything we've ever seen before. And I know that Bethesda is going to take full advantage, and we've heard that they're going to take full advantage. Quote from them, the biggest jump in their engine since Oblivion. It's pretty big. I think it's worth it to wait for something like this. Derek Jones says, if they have a good launch for the Mass Effect remaster, they need to make DLCs for Andromeda so it can be redeemed. I know Andromeda was left out with a lot of potential, but that can be fixed and this move will also help revive the franchise as I, like many others, still have the game and play it from time to time. The combat is amazing in that game, but use some improvements with squad actions though. Plus, releasing a damn book to explain what happens to the last arc and the continuation of the story is very unacceptable, and a combo punch to the face of the fans concerning it wasn't really worth buying in the first place. Uh, this, of course, the Mass Effect is been delayed. I think that's perfectly fine that it is delayed if they need more time, but I fully agree. What I would do if I were Bioware is I would actually sit down and make that DLC, but make it more like... The Last of Us Left Behind, or Uncharted 4's DLC 2, I forgot the name of it, but or Spider-Man Miles Morales, where more or less they're their own games that still take place in the universe. And hell, even, you know what? The DLC for Andromeda was supposed to be about the Quarian arc. We know this because it was a huge, huge uh, cliffhanger that was left at the end of the game. Uh, spoilers if you haven't played it, I'm sorry. Quarian Art, even have us play as a Quarian, so you could not have us play as Ryder. Make it a standalone thing, make it a smaller game in scale. You will please Mass Effect fans, you can show them that you've learned from Andromeda. Now one of the big problems I think with Andromeda was that it ran on Frostbite, right? That was one of the big issues and they're trying to make all these systems work in Frostbite. And it just didn't, it really just did not work. And so that caused a lot of the issues that they had because Frostbite's meant for first-person shooters and you try to put a third-person sci-fi RPG in there. Andromeda Game Engine. It did. It was on Frostbite 3. Okay, so that was one of the biggest problems. Give it a new engine. Redo it and, and make it look beautiful. Of course, they're hard at work on Dragon Age 4, so this would never happen. I don't think it would. But yeah, it would redeem it. And then on top of that, you could release the DLC or you could release Mass Effect... The, the remaster, then you throw out a big sale in Andromeda, and then you also announce this standalone story, this standalone DLC you don't need to own Andromeda for, to go ahead and play what the story was meant to be continued as. That is the perfect situation for me. And of course, it would give us some teases for Dragon Age 4 and how that might look as well. So there you go, because probably would be running on some similar tech. I know Dragon Age 4 is not going to be running on the Frostbite engine. EA finally eased up on that, I think. I'm actually not positive. I'm pretty confident, but I'm not 100%. James Shepard 82 says, Remember when the community cried because Andromeda was buggy and wasn't fully finished? Let's get it right. Let's hold out for a great game regarding the Remastered Trilogy. Yes, the Remastered Trilogy was delayed. Give it some time. It sucks. In fact, I think Maddie made a video about it today, so if you're interested, you can check out his thoughts on the matter. I made my own video on it. You can check that out if you're interested. Delays suck, but, you know, there's a certain thing that's going around and everything has been delayed in 2020, so this is no surprise. And thankfully, it wasn't... The release date in and of itself was a leaked release date, so it was never set in stone to begin with. This is supposed to be an internal delay that otherwise we wouldn't know anything about. 
With that in mind, it sort of eases the pain a bit. And I say pain very loosely. I'm in agreement with everybody when they say now, the if we're getting a better product, for we're getting today, a Or the last comment coming from today comes from Mr. Uh, or yeah, Mr. Afay or M. Rafay Beige? Beige? Not sure how to pronounce that. I apologize for butchering your username. However, he said, hey man, love your videos. But I was wondering, can you make some videos on Avowed? Obsidian's upcoming RPG. You think I don't know what a vout is? Shame on you. Shame. I know what a vout is. Anyway. <laughs> Only messing. However, uh, he continues on saying, I would love to see an avowed wishlist. I would love to do a wishlist series for avowed. I think that the wishlist series are a lot of fun and it, it engages the community uh, to, to an extent and, and it keeps people who really love these games talking about these games and I think that's great and I'm really happy to do that sort of thing eventually I will absolutely do an avowed series or more discussion about avowed I'm not going to make a promise about the wishlist I hate making promises uh, because I you know if I don't end up doing it then I broke my word so I'm not going to promise it but it's something I'll heavily take into consideration and in regards to just simple content about avowed I would love to I really do want to make avowed a pretty big part of the channel when we start getting more information about it the biggest thing holding me back is I don't know that much about Pillars of Eternity, which is of course the universe that it's set in, so that does make me a little bit nervous to make content because I might point out things or say things and, you know, I'll be completely wrong about them because there's so many people that know a lot more about it than I do without concrete details about it. So while I can speculate things, my biggest personal worry is that I'll speculate some things and people go, Well, we already know that because it's part of the period of eternity universe and you should really know these things before you make videos on it. And that's a bit discouraging, as you can probably imagine. So, again, when more concrete details come out, I will definitely talk about it. And in my spare time, what I will say is I will spend my spare time reading up on the lore of the Pillars of Eternity universe and getting more knowledgeable on it so that I can talk much more educated. I can make more educated points about it and make more educated speculation, that sort of thing. So I hope that you'll stick around. Again, I do plan on talking about it when we, when, when, when it's appropriate to and when we do get substantial information on it. I have two more comments before we end today's video. Jed says, How do we know Starfield will have ray tracing? Todd said so himself, PAX East 2019. I know that everyone I know that's everyone's question. So that's just a little sneak at the technology that we've been building. People are going to see it first in Starfield, and so that tech will have a second version of it in Test 6. How do we know that Starfield will use ray tracing? Well, we don't officially. And I did make a video talking about it. It's actually one of my most disliked videos on the channel, fun fact. Probably because it was... I... I get the impression that some people thought I had some concrete information. And when they clicked on it and they said... There wasn't anything concrete, it was just speculation. They might have said... Bleh! And disliked the video, which is fine. Uh, but... I... Found it... Listen, it's a safe enough bet to say that this is where, based on the points I made in that video alone, I, I think more or less assures it. But you look at where technology is going, you look at how ray tracing is a standard, you look at the RTX 3000 series of graphics cards and, and how it's 
It's in Metro Exodus. It, RT, when ray tracing first came out, it was a bit of a joke. Because the, the, the 2000 series of cards came out and they said, yeah, these could do, the RTX 2000 cards can do ray tracing. And there were like two games that could actually use it. And even those games, unless you had the most powerful RTX card, which cost over $1,000, over $1,500, you wouldn't even be able to run it well. So it was a gimmick and people acknowledged that. However, now with the 3000 series of graphics cards, with the next generation of consoles, that's a major selling point. That consoles can use ray tracing. This is just where the industry is going. And Bethesda, if anything, is always on top. And more realistically, they're always pushing trends. They're always trying to push trends in the technology, in the systems, whether it's physics. And the Creation Engine has a really great physics engine. Just saying, they use Havoc, but it's damn good. And it's more impressive than most RPGs. The fact that you could pick up every spoon, every plate... The books in Oblivion, they took a step back in Skyrim, but the books in Oblivion, the pages had physics. Like, what? <laughs> that was really impressive. And so, to see that Bethesda, that that's what they do with their games, it's, it's almost a guarantee. And I know it's still just speculation, but I can't wait for anybody who genuinely disliked this video and goes, Well, we don't know for sure. Wait till it's in the game. Wait till it's in the game. I, I'm, I'm so confident. And if it's not, I'll admit I'm wrong. I have no problem with that. I'm big enough man I can admit when I'm wrong. But there you go. Oh, I actually have two more comments. Two more. Uh, Mr. Matt 72, Master Matt 72 says, I'm honestly more hyped for this game, Starfield, than for Test 6. I'm a huge fan of Test but the fact that it's sci-fi and we have no idea what it's going to be, on top of the idea of how ambitious and how long it's been in development, it's difficult to keep our hype under control. Love your vids, man. Thank you, Master Matt, for the kind words. And I know the fact that it's so new, so unique. Again, go back to my video, We're Not Ready for Starfield. It's my favorite video I've ever done on the channel. I even go back and watch it from time to time. Call me egotistical, sure, but I'm just really proud of how that came out. The way the developers talk about it, the new technology, next generation consoles, biggest engine rewrite since Oblivion, first new IP in 25 years, been in discussion for 10 years at Bethesda, it's been worked on behind the scenes for probably, you know, just as long. It's massive. It is incredibly massive. And yeah, let your hype go, man. Let it go. Let it soar above the clouds and make sure you keep it in check. Of course, you know, pull it back every once in a while, bring it back to back to back to Earth, but let that hype free. It's going to be exciting. It's going to be great. And all these people who are mad at Bethesda, mad at Fallout 76, man, Starfield is really going to, 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 to take our breath away. I already know. I know. You don't have to believe me. That's fine. But there you go. And our last comment for today, MC says, incredibly excited to see what next gen brings to the table and how it can revolutionize games. I believe I read somewhere that the next-gen SSDs will improve open-world games the most. If it's specifically open-world games, that's pretty impressive, but I think one of the biggest benefits is, for example, the world themselves. The worlds themselves can be much more impressive due to the detail in them. You can have more going on at once because the SSDs can load more things at once and load them more quickly. So the grass and the textures that pop in in Skyrim when you move from cell to cell, for those of you who don't know, Skyrim and Bethesda games work in cells, and when you move to from one cell and you get close to the border of another, it loads in that other cell, so that way the world keeps generating as you move through it. 
You can have bigger cells. You can have more stuff in those cells. You can cut down on loading times. So walking into a cave in Oblivion, in, in Skyrim, for example, instead of being, you know, 30 seconds, it'll be 2 to 4 to 6 to 8. So it'll genuinely feel like you're just walking in. Bethesda can do more things where they have entire cave systems. Entire cave systems that don't even have a loading screen. Potentially. Not saying that's a guarantee, but it's more possible than it ever was before. Where you genuinely open a door into a cave, you go into the cave, and then it could do a very special technique. We actually saw a bit of this with the PlayStation Tech demo that happened. It's one of the first events that they had for the PlayStation 5 where you go into the cell or you go into the zone and it knows that everything out here is not in view so it de-renders all that stuff and it just renders what's in front of you so you would be able to seamlessly walk in and out of caves or in and out of dungeons or in and out of alien ruins if it were oblivion or nordic ruins if it were skyrim or in starfield it's going to be martian ruins i don't know but whatever the case might be they can do all of this seamlessly and it's just going to get better and better over time unfortunately and I put, unfortunately, very loosely, the SSDs and consoles, they're going to be stuck for, you know, the seven-year console generation that we'll probably have. However, gotta be honest, they're really damn fast, so can't really complain about it, can you? <laughs> Some of the fastest SSDs you can get. So, anyway, that's all I have for this video. Thank you guys for leaving excellent comments. Thank you guys again from the bottom of my heart. We're in this together on the road to 1,000 subscribers, which is a big milestone that we've worked hard to get here. We've worked really, really hard, and it's incredibly humbling. And in so many ways, I still feel like a channel that just has 300 subscribers because I see so many of the same faces that are still commenting. I see so many new faces as well, and to all of you that are leaving comments, thank you. That's the most rewarding part. That's what I always check for. The first thing I go to with any of my videos is to see are there new comments because that's what excites me the most. And so to all of you guys, new and old, thank you. Thank you so much. We're going to do really great things together. I know that for a fact. We're going to do some really, really great things as long as the passion behind this community continues to stay as strong as it is. You know, if I start to lose my way a little bit, if you guys think that, then let me know and we'll get back on track and we'll always make sure that we're heading forward. Anyway, thank you guys so much for watching this podcast. If you did enjoy, check out my social media pages, uh, twitter.com, also Discord will be linked in the description below if you're interested in joining our community over there. I would very much welcome it. And so, one more time, thank you guys so much for watching and as always, I hope to see you all next time. So long, everybody.